We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. It's Fun Friday. That's right. Fun Friday is back. We're going to do our Friday afternoon live streams to kick off the weekend. Now that we're into the offseason, we can settle into more of a typical offseason pattern. Our post-game show, well, there are no games, so it's not going to be post-game anymore. But we still want to go live and still be able to interact directly with everybody. So we're going to be doing, uh, I put it out there on social media, we're going to be going Monday nights at 8 o'clock Pacific time, Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock Pacific time, and we're going to go Fridays at 2 o'clock Pacific time, kick off the weekend a little early with some Lakers talk by coming in on a Friday and getting to discuss some Lakers basketball. So obviously lots to talk about right now, lots going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers, particularly when we talk about the LeBron retirement front, what's going on there. We take a look at uh, everything going on with free agency, with trades, with the draft with all of that sort of stuff. So plenty of stuff for us to get into here as we kick off the weekend. Again, what I'm looking forward to is seeing what the Lakers do to truly build out this roster. How do we see the next team come together for the Lakers? And how similar is it going to look to this year's team? How aggressive do the Lakers want to be? How much do they want to buy into the fact that this team was the the top record in the Western Conference post-trade deadline? How much do they want to buy into the fact that they went from the seventh seed to the Western Conference Finals despite having a couple of months together as a group? How much do they believe that is for real and sustainable? And I think one of the things we have to remember is that some teams during that stretch when the Lakers were the, the top record in the West, there were a number of teams like the Denver Nuggets who took their foot completely off the gas pedal. So that may impact how we see this team. Are they truly this dominant presence at the top of the West? Well, their battle with the Western Conference Finals champion now, the Western Conference champion, Denver Nuggets, um, would suggest no, that they're not the top of the food chain at this moment. So do they look to make a lot of moves? Do they look to make just a few moves? What do the Lakers look to do as they, um, as they build out their roster? So we're going to talk about all that. Of course, we'll have some guests coming in and, and things of that nature. It looks like today will probably just be a solo show for me, though I did throw it out there some of the Lakers Nation staff, so they may pop in at some points here and there. But again, plenty to get into as we're watching the Lakers build out their team for next season. Again, I'll be taking questions and comments coming in from uh, from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. So once again, welcome in, everybody, and let's talk some Lakers basketball. You know, one of the things, and John Mark is mentioning this, he said, we desperately need a quality backup big behind AD, which will keep him from wearing down and getting injured. We also need to work on our guard depth. So I'm in total agreement with that, which typically I look at the Lakers offseason and I'm, I'm big on wings, saying the Lakers need to get wings. You need to go get a bunch of wing players, particularly wings who can shoot the three, and you need those guys to be big for you. You need those guys to be your primary targets in free agency. And I think that still is going to matter this year in free agency. That's still going to be important for the Lakers to do, to get those wing players in. However, however, when I look at Rui Hachimura and the likelihood that he comes back, he's restricted. Well, he helps you out quite a bit on the wing. 
Um, so assuming you bring him back, I do wonder if the Lakers spend more time focusing on the guard position and the big position. I think those are are two really important things for this team this summer, particularly if, if Rui comes back. I think you could argue maybe even more important than the wing. And it's hard for me to say that because I believe you need to, you can never have enough three and D wings in this league and you need to stockpile that particular skill set, particularly on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But figuring out what they're going to do with guard is going to be so important. We look at D'Angelo Russell. Do they bring him back? Do they not? Uh, do you turn to someone else? Do you try to make, look, it's not easy, but do you try to go after like a Fred Van Vliet or someone? Do they do that? Um, and then from there, it's the big position. Is it Mo Bamba? Is that the answer? Is Mo Bamba the answer? And I don't think we even know for sure whether or not he is because we didn't get to see enough of him this year. But I think Mo Bamba and his potential is something worth considering. Or do you go spend a little bit and get more of a known commodity in the middle? Somebody like, I don't know, Nas Reed. Could you go get him and add him into the Lakers rotation? And does that other center that you go get, that other big, do they have to be able to play alongside Anthony Davis? Or are they somebody that would only play uh, as a backup? Is Anthony Davis simply your center moving forward? I think these are all important questions that have to be answered that are going to go a long way towards determining what the Lakers' path is this summer. So I, I do agree with Jean-Marc here that getting a quality backup big, maybe even starting big, if you're going to move AD back to the four, that's really important. And then the guard position. The guard position is important as well. What happens with Dennis Schroeder? What happens with D'Angelo Russell? Maybe they're both back. Ne maybe neither one of them are. And then I think you have to go find other guards out there on the market. Uh, Matty James said, is Mike Conley an option for us to get? I also really want to keep Lonnie along with Reeves and Rui. So, um, Mike Conley. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ironic? Because Mike Conley was supposed to be a Laker. At the trade deadline. In fact, that was the deal. The Lakers had worked out with the Utah Jazz instead of D'Angelo Russell coming to the Lakers. The Minnesota Timberwolves were not going to be part of that deal. And um, it was going to be Mike Conley instead. And so when you talk about Mike Conley coming into the Lakers, it would be a little ironic if the Lakers were to somehow add him. But he is actually, he has a contract for next year with Minnesota. Um, he could be bought out on it. Uh, it's not entirely guaranteed, but the bulk of it is guaranteed. I want to say like 16 million off the top of my head is guaranteed on Mike Conley's contract next year. Enough is guaranteed to where it's not like you're going to want to pay him that much money to go away. Like you're not going to want to pay Mike Conley $16 million or about you know whatever it is to not play basketball for you. It's not like it's, okay, it's $500,000 guaranteed and we're going to save $20 million under the cap or something like that. So it makes sense just to do it. Now, it's a, it's a pretty high guarantee. So I don't think Mike Conley is going to be out there on the market in terms of free agency. Do you want to trade for him? I think Minnesota is pretty happy with him. And given how he played, uh, particularly in that uh, play-in game, eh, they maybe made the right decision there. I uh, certainly played well. But Matty James also says, I also want to keep Lonnie along with Reeves and Rui. So Reeves and Rui, I think, are fairly, I don't want to say simple, but there's an easy path to, to keeping both of them. Now, it's complicated in that the decisions to keep them could have a major domino effect down your roster in terms of other decisions that you can or can't make. So, for example, if Austin gets if Austin takes a 53-ish million, whatever it is, four-year deal from the Lakers, and you don't have to match an, an offer sheet, that's might be a little different than if you have to go match an $80 million offer sheet on him because some other team comes along and offers him that much. Rui Hachimura is, and Austin, your timing on it matters too because he's going to be uh, restricted, but he's also, his uh, cap hold is only about $2 million, $2.2 million on the cap hold. So you really want to have him on that cap hold as long as you can so you can do your other business first and then sign him. Rui Hachimura is different than he, his cap hold is $18 million and change. He's probably not going to get, maybe he does, but probably not going to get $18 million per season. So with Rui, it actually makes more sense to get a deal done as quickly as possible, get that thing finished, knock that cap hold down. Let's say you can get him for $15 million. Okay, there's $3 million that you saved there versus what's on your books and then what you'd be switching it to. But with Rui, he's restricted. I don't know what other teams are going to offer him. 
the bottom line, I've said it a bunch, is that with both Rui and Austin, the Lakers would have to make the conscious decision to let them go. But it's still fairly straightforward. If the Lakers want to keep those guys, they will be on the team next season. Period. Right? If the Lakers are dead set on keeping them, they will be on the team. Um, so, if that's what you're going to do, you can keep them. No problem, as long as you're willing to pay. Now, Lonnie is where it gets a little tricky. So, Lonnie Walker, because he was just a one-year contract, you actually don't have your bird rights on him. You don't. So, what you have instead is non-bird rights. And non-bird rights gives you at least the ability to pay him just a little bit more than what he's getting right now. So, if I am Lonnie's agent, what I'm recommending that he would do is I'm recommending that he listen to offers from other teams and see what you can find. Um, he may have a team based on how well he played in game four that wants to give him a multi-year deal. That's possible. And if a team is willing to give him four years, 40 million, let's say average of 10 million per season, let's say that offers out there, the Lakers can't touch it. Unless they do something drastic, like clear out a bunch of roster space so that you've got cap room to spend. That's the only way they can, um, unless they want to dip into their mid-level exception. They want to use that. They could potentially offer him that. Otherwise, the Lakers are limited in what they're going to offer him. Let's say their mid-level exception isn't a full mid-level. Let's say it's only a taxpayer mid-level because they have to pay Rui, they have to pay Austin, they have to pay some of these other guys. Let's say they keep Malik Beasley, keep Mo Bamba. All right, now you're down to your taxpayer mid-level. That's only $5 million. Is that going to be enough for Lonnie? Maybe not. But would he take that $7.8 million or so that you could offer him? That's another way that you could maybe keep him. Would he be willing to take that? How many years are you willing to do on that deal? So the question with, with Lonnie is a little bit trickier because other teams can come in and just offer him more than what the Lakers can or what the Lakers would be willing to. Again, do the Lakers want to burn their mid-level exception on Lonnie? Maybe, maybe not. I think you can make arguments either way. I think he's a talented player. He's young. He'd be an interesting piece to keep. But probably the best path to do it is if you're willing to just use his non-bird rights and if he's willing to take $7.8 million for next season. The question, though, becomes how long of a deal does he want and where are you at in terms of the luxury tax, in terms of the super tax? Are you keeping Malik Beasley? Are you keeping Mo Bamba? Are you keeping some of these other guys? That is going to be a big determining factor when we look at whether or not the Lakers are going to be able to hang on to a guy like Lonnie because at some point, as much as I want to just say keep everybody, right? Yeah, keep Mo Bamba, keep Malik Beasley. Worst case, they're, they're trade chips down the line as expiring contracts, right? Um, keep D'Lo. And, and again, maybe you flip him after December 15th or whatever. Get him on a reasonable deal. That's my mindset usually. Keep everybody. But reality is that at some point, these contracts start stacking up and you have to make some tough decisions. That's where you wind up. And so I wonder if Lonnie is the guy that's going to get squeezed in all of this. If, if he even wants to come back, let's face it. He wasn't part of the rotation for a good chunk of the season. He took advantage of the opportunity presented to him, but it's not like the organization showed a ton of faith in him over the course of the season, or at least the, the coaching staff didn't. So if you're Lonnie, do you even want to come back? Something to consider as well. Maybe if Darwin says, look, Lonnie, we believe in you. And this is going to be your role moving forward. You're going to be coming off the bench and playing this many minutes. And he's up for that. Great. But it doesn't work out doesn't work out and another team may come along and steal him away uh senpai said beasley shack 17 for fred van vliet uh yeah if you can get van vliet to opt in to that 22 million dollars on his deal i would do that i would definitely do that i don't know if that's enough for the toronto raptors unless the raptors have just decided you know what we're done Fred, we know he's not coming back. He doesn't want to come back. Let's just get something. Let's get something for him rather than lose him for nothing. If that's the case and the Raptors say, we will do that, I would do that. I would do that package. I would do that for sure. Uh, sign Lonnie with non-bird, okay, which is what I was just talking about. Rui, Wenyan. So for Wenyan, you could also use his, uh, you'd actually have early bird rights on Wenyan because he's had two seasons with the Lakers. So you can give him a little bit of a pay bump. Sign Nas with a full mid-level exception. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Dennis Smith Jr. with the biannual exception, which um, if you have the full mid-level, you have the biannual. If you use those, 
you are also triggering that hard cap. So just something to keep in mind. I'm not doing the math here. He's Senpai says it's just below the tax apron, but you would trigger that hard cap at the tax apron if you were to use that full mid-level and the biannual exception. So if the math works, what would, we, what would we be looking at for a roster then? It would be your guards would be Austin, Fred Van Vliet, Lonnie, Dennis Smith Jr. Your wings would include Rui, LeBron, AD, depending on if you want to use him at the four or the five. He's probably still going to be the five mostly. Bring him back Wenyon. You've got AD and Nas as your centers. Mobamba would be gone. And Wenyon would be in the middle as well. as a. You could use him as a five, four or a five. Should be just below tax saver. Yeah. I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that roster. What you'd be looking for is, in terms of improvement, you'd be looking for Fred Van Vliet being an upgrade over D'Lo. That's something that would be critical for success with this lineup. And then what can you get out of Nas Reed? Can you make him a guy that you can plug in not just when AD is out, but also alongside AD? And I think the possibility is there because Nas Reed can shoot the three a little bit. So if you can make Nas Reed as your full middle of exception, a guy who gets in the 20 to 25 minutes a night range playing both alongside AD and when AD's out of the game. Yeah, I, I wouldn't dislike that roster build at all. And Nas Reed, man, Nas Reed has a history of just killing the Lakers. He seems to have blow-up performances against LA. It's just what tends to happen. So I don't mind that at all, adding him. And then, then you don't have to play against him anymore. Um, he just has a history of having big, big games against uh against our lakers unfortunately all right let me see what else we've got going on here we've got alex silva says personally i would like buddy and miles turner trade over Kyrie. why mortgage our future for Kyrie? what's a buddy and miles turner trade now last summer it was russell westbrook and both first round picks for buddy and miles turner what are you sending out for them now is it mo bamba and malik beasley that's you got like 26 million in expiring contracts there. You still have to stack up more. I don't know. Like it was simple when it was Russell Westbrook's contract, but what are you stacking up to go get Buddy and Miles Turner? Or are we talking about a sign and trade with D'Lo? Does Indiana even want D'Lo? Probably not. They already have Halliburton. So I, I think it would be more likely that you just go after, say, Buddy Heald that, than try to get both of them at this point. I think you could have had both of them at the, uh, the night before media day last year. Decided not to do that. Right or wrong, decided not to do that. But Buddy Heald is an interesting target. And I think, look, he's been connected to the Lakers for so long. They were supposed to be trading for him when they wound up trading for Russell Westbrook. So what do you do there on that front? Do you just keep pursuing Buddy Heald? Could you do something like Malik Beasley in a pick for Buddy Heald? Not the worst idea. It, it, that's Again, if you buy that Buddy Heald is just a simply higher level of shooter than Malik Beasley, that he's going to give you a enhanced version of essentially the same skill set that Malik Beasley would give you. Yeah, not, not a bad idea to turn to. Not a bad idea. Uh, Maddie James said, would you look at getting a consistent and more dependable big and put AD on the bench? All hypothetical. AD has just been too inconsistent and can't rely on him game in and game out. Put AD on the bench? As in, like, get Nas Reed or something and start him over AD? Is that what you mean? Or you mean for when AD is not in? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm definitely not putting AD on the bench in, pay, in place of, like, a Nas Reed or someone like that um, to take a spot. I think having somebody that's, got size that's dependable that can come in when Anthony Davis is out is great. I think having somebody that can play alongside AD is great as well. Um, AD go to the bench though, just because he was inconsistent on the offensive end, that's not going to happen. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily what this comment was saying, but Anthony Davis was again, I think the best defensive player of the playoffs. I think he's one of just the most naturally talented defenders we have in this league. And he is a superstar on that end of the floor every single night. He was not a superstar every single night on the offensive end. But some nights he was. I mean, game one against Denver, he had 40 points. Some nights he was. And you're right. You're, it's a roller coaster. It's up and down. But you're not cutting his minutes or putting him on the bench or anything 
just because of that. He is still so good defensively that he's got to get minutes. He has to. Uh, Mark said D'Lo for CP3. CP3 is a partial guarantee in 24 and 23, uh, or in 23-24. So I don't know how interested the Lakers should be in Chris Paul at this point. I mean, they've already had all kinds of of injury issues, right? It's been a struggle for them. You've got an older LeBron James. We know he's not going to play a full season next year. He might even start the season injured, depending on how things are looking with the foot situation, when he has surgery, if he needs surgery. What's the recovery process? We heard earlier today there was going to be two months to recover from this foot surgery if he has to have it. So you've already got LeBron. Anthony Davis, we know all about his injury history. I don't, and look, I'm not saying D'Lo is completely immune to injuries. Obviously not. But if Chris Paul, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis are the key cogs of your team, you know you're going to be without one of them at least most of the time. So I don't know if that's the path I really want to go if I'm the Lakers trading for Chris Paul. Now, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, I like Chris Paul just fine. But I'd be much more interested in getting him if he got bought out. He's not going to get bought out. But if he were to get bought out or something by Phoenix, I'd be more interested there. I don't think I want to give up anything to go get Chris Paul right now. Uh, Jubin said, how about Seth Curry and Utah Watanabe as free agent choices for LA? I like that. I, I like those guys. I mean, look, shooting, you can add them. The question is, what's the price tag? Can you get Seth Curry for the taxpayer mid-level, which is only going to be $5 million. That's probably a bit low. You have to spend the full mid-level on him. What about Utah Watanabe? What does it cost to get him? But I like the targets. I mean, look, one of the things that the Lakers really struggled with in the postseason was their shooting. So what you need to find is guys who can shoot, but also defend. You need guys who are not just turnstiles on the defensive end of the floor. And if you can find that in guys like Seth Curry and Utah Watanabe, then great. Um, I think they wouldn't be the top of my list, but they're up there. They're certainly on the list in terms of potential targets for the Lakers. These are guys who can shoot the ball, guys who have done some good things there for Brooklyn. So are they players that you could plug in? Yeah, I think so. I think you could plug these guys into LA and they would do pretty well. Again, you're looking for shooting that can be consistent. You look at what happened to the Lakers in the, in the playoffs and you had D'Lo, 13% from three in the Western Conference Finals. Malik Beasley, no longer playable. Troy Brown, not in the rotation, wasn't playable. Those are three of your best three-point shooters, right? D'Lo was over 40%. Troy Brown was 38% for the season. Malik Beasley was supposed to be like the sniper coming in. That was a lot of three-point shooting that the Lakers lost by the time the, the Western Conference Finals rolled around. So I do think they need consistent three-point shooting that they can count on come postseason to not disappear. Maybe Seth Curry and Utah Watanabe can be those guys. That's an argument for Buddy Heald as well. But those guys should be able to give you probably a little bit more than what Malik Beasley did, or at least be what Malik Beasley was supposed to be, which is another conversation I'm going to send this show out on uh, on Twitter right now just so everybody can see it there and uh, and jump in as well. Um, trades and, uh, and free agency. Okay, so Malik Beasley. What do the Lakers do with him? What do the Lakers do with Malik Beasley? Do the Lakers pick up... Like, if you pick up his option... $16.5 million team option. If you pick that up, most likely what you're going to do with that is you're going to turn that into a trade chip. Maybe you even move him uh, draft night. Could you put together the $16.5 million expiring deal now, expiring next season of Malik Beasley with the 17th pick? Do you do that? Is that the, the path that you go? Or do you decide, you know what? Malik Beasley, we believe... He's a better shooter than what he showed. He's a better shooter than what we saw in uh, the his stint with the Lakers. But we're going to take advantage of this slump that he was in, and we're going to try to sign him to a multi-year deal. So you decline the team option, $16.5 million, say, you know what? We don't want to pay you that. You weren't good enough to pay you that, but we still like you, and we'll commit multiple years to you. Maybe it's a two-year deal, and we'll do two years 12 million. 
two years, 14 million, something like that. You've got his bird rights. You've got his bird rights. You can pay him that. So is that the path the Lakers should take with Malik Beasley? Take the opportunity to, in essence, buy low on him. And what will he accept? Something to consider. He did talk about wanting to work something out to come back next year. And it was far from him specifically saying this, but just the way that he phrased it almost made it sound like he knew he's probably, unless the Lakers pick up that option to make him a trade chip at a $16.5 million expiring contract, he's probably not getting picked up at that number. But if he's willing to take less, maybe there is a path to him coming back and you can just say, look, we believe that over the long haul, he's going to shoot better than he did and that he will come back around. Maybe that's a possibility for the Lakers to look into. All right, let's see what else we've got here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Deuce said, draft Adam Bono from U- from UCLA. Check out his highlights when you get the chance. He's a gazelle in the open court, crazy vertical elite shot blocker. I am just starting to get into my draft prep stuff. Sean is, is already deep in the weeds. He knows all the draft guys. I am just now getting there, starting to dive into all that, getting ready. Um, you know what? I, I will say this. I'm going to find my favorites, the guys that I'm, I will hope the Lakers draft and and all of that. And there'll be guys that we're pulling for. And I think there's still a decent chance the 17th pick gets moved. Why? Because that's what history has told us, right? History has showed us that the Lakers tend to move that draft pick. Uh, They tend to trade it and they go get help to to win right now. And if the right opportunity is there, I think that's totally fine. If the right opportunity is sitting in front of them, great. But I do think this is a draft that is uh, fairly deep. I think the Lakers can get a difference maker at 17, at least as a role player. And when I'm looking at this Lakers roster, I think, you know what? At some point, at some point, you have to start thinking about what life is going to look like post-LeBron. Because let's face it, I don't think LeBron's retiring, but we could be entering the final season of LeBron with the Lakers. We could be entering the final season of LeBron's career, but he has a player option in 2024. Bronny could be hitting the NBA in 2024. There is no guarantee that LeBron is a Laker after next summer. So with that being the case, you have to start thinking ahead. And you already have a decent amount of young talent that you've added. We talk about Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell. If you keep him, do you hang on to him? Jared Vanderbilt is very young. You've got these guys, Max Christie that you've added in. Can Cole Swider, can he get things going in terms of just being a shooter and somebody that you you can plug in? You've got some interesting young talent. You don't have stars. You don't have guys who are going to be superstars. Like, hey, this is our 1A guy. We got our guy that we're building around from here on out. No, you didn't identify that, right? That's really hard to find but you've got young players that can be factors for you moving forward. And if you can get another rotation player with this 17th pick, that could get really interesting. Think about how much young talent you could have moving forward. But at the same time, is that going to make LeBron happy? LeBron who is hoping to win right now. 
who may only have one more season to potentially do it in a Lakers uniform. So that's why I still think when push comes to shove, they wind up moving the 17th pick. But if the right deal isn't there, it's pretty enticing to grab somebody at 17 that could be a significant piece for you moving forward. Again, I don't think you're going to get that superstar. Hey, if you find a superstar, fantastic. I don't think you're going to get a superstar, but you could have a really interesting uh, young roster alongside LeBron and AD if you're able to add somebody with that 17th pick. So I'm not even sold on um, moving the 17th pick. It's got to be the right deal. And if there's one thing I've learned from all the years of covering the Lakers, it's at this point, whoever the Lakers draft, just trust it. Just trust it. Why? Because they've built up that equity with constantly hitting pick after pick after pick after pick. Look, for every um, Anthony Brown, for every Mo Wagner that just didn't really pan out with the Lakers, we've seen Jordan Clarkson's, Larry Nance, Kyle Kuzma, Austin Reeves, Taylor Horton Tucker, right? Max Christie is looking like he's he's going to be something. On and Ivica Zubac, so I can just keep going. The Lakers have found so many players in drafts. Their scouting department has done a phenomenal job finding at least rotation-level players in the draft, even in the second round and beyond, even undrafted. And that is phenomenal. So again, trust it. Whoever it is they pick, I'm just going to trust that they're making the correct decision. Even if it's not the player that I was hoping they would pick. Why? Because that's what history has shown us. History has shown us that this Lakers team, they know how to draft. They do a good job identifying talent. They find it, they acquire it, and they benefit from it. I mean, look, look at it this way. Strictly from trade purposes. What would it take for you to trade Max Christie right now? What, what would you accept draft pick-wise? Would you trade Max Christie for a second-round pick? I would not. I would not trade him for a second-round pick. And I think most people probably wouldn't. Okay? And that's, as the chat is mentioning, Jesse Buss uh, and, and that front office. They, are, they do a tremendous job, that scouting department. So would you trade Max Christie for a second-round pick? I'm a no. So what does that mean? That means that you took in one year, you took a second-round pick with Max Christie, and you increase the value significantly because he's no longer worth a second round pick. He's worth more than that, right? They have a history of doing that, of finding guys and turning them into things that are more valuable than the pick used to select them. That, and maybe we don't look at it that way often enough, but they take these picks and they enhance the value of them more often than not, which is absolutely phenomenal. And again, that's why I come back to I'm just going to trust it. Whoever they pick, I'm going to trust that they got it right because they have the history of doing that. Um, that doesn't mean we're not going to break down draft prospects. We absolutely are. That doesn't mean we're not going to be getting, getting into the weeds of who could be the best pick for the Lakers and all of that in the event that they do keep their pick, which is not a certainty. We're going to get into all of that. But whoever that pick is, I'm of the mindset that I'm going to trust that they took the right guy. Because that's what they tend to do. That's what they tend to do. They tend to take the right guy that works out. I mean, I'll never forget when they announced Kyle Kuzma. I went, what? I, I couldn't believe they were taking Kyle Kuzma that early. Larry Nance Jr. Couldn't believe they were taking him that early. And here we are. Here we are. Even going back, this is a different regime. But going back, I, I can't even tell you guys how badly I wanted the Lakers to draft Gerald Green when they took Andrew Bynum. Turned out Andrew Bynum worked out pretty well, right? Now, obviously, things didn't... His career didn't totally pan out, and they knew there were some knee issues and all that kind of stuff, but you won a championship. At one point, he was the, at worst, second-best center in the NBA behind Dwight. They've got a history of doing well in the draft. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Wicked Bronco said, Latrev, maybe LeBroni. Who knows? Anyway, how would you feel about D'Lo and two firsts for Buddy and Turner. So a sign and trade with D'Angelo Russell, which would hard cap the Pacers for Buddy and Turner. Buddy and Turner would combine to be like, what, $40 million? 
Let me double check. Turner got that that new deal. Uh, no, Turner's only twenty one million. Yeah, so I was right, about forty million uh, between the two of them. So what would you have to give? I don't think anybody wants to give D'Lo thirty million. That's the other thing. How many teams want D'Lo? How many teams want? I'm sure, like if it depends on the price. If D'Lo was five million, sure, tons of teams would want him. But are there teams out there that are going to want to give D'Angelo Russell thirty million? I don't think so. I don't think so. And that's one of the things the Lakers have to look at when they're negotiating with them. It's who are you bidding against? Who are you bidding against in free agency this year? You look at most of the teams that have cap space. Keith and I just talked about this on the front office show earlier today. Um, most of the teams that have cap space aren't necessarily fits for D'Angelo Russell. So where does he go? Does he take somebody's mid-level exception maybe? I don't know. And that's where if I'm the Lakers, again, I don't want to, completely create a, a divide between D'Lo and the front office and create some contentious situation. But at the same time, you got to be careful with how much you spend. So if there's not a lot of suitors out there for D'Angelo Russell, you might be able to get him on a deal that's better than what a lot of us are thinking. Now, that said, um, he's saying add in Malik or Troy. Is that possible or no? If not, who would you rather have um, with Austin, a point guard? So, Put in Malik Beasley, D'Lo, in order to get to that $40 million and make that trade in two first-round picks. I don't know that Indiana even wants D'Lo. And that's where I've seen a lot of Lakers fans where we go, go get Kyrie, sign and trade with D'Lo. How many teams want D'Angelo Russell right now? Want D'Lo enough to want to give him the contract that he wants and don't have the cap space to sign him outright and would be willing to part with assets in order to get him. I just don't think it's going to be a huge market in terms of how much value teams are going to assign to D'Angelo Russell in a sign and trade situation. So as much as we keep looking at, well, that's the solution, right? If we can't match salaries, it's let's do a sign and trade for D'Lo. I don't know how available that that's going to be. How many teams are, you know, having Rob Palenka's phone ring off the hook, calling saying, what's it going to take for us to get D'Lo from you? I don't think that's happening right now. So with all of that said, D'Lo two first for Buddy and Turner. Sure, value-wise, um, you would have to be giving up your 17th pick and then either your 2029 20, or 2030 first, one of those. Um, I, I don't hate the value necessarily because I do like Buddy and Turner, but I think I'd be more inclined to say, what can we do to keep D'Lo? Or could we do D'Lo and a first and a second or something? The two first feels like a lot when I'm not really clearing. Like part of the Russell Westbrook trade, the reason why they were willing to give or the deal was two first was you were clearing Russ, his salary off the Russ. You don't have to do that here with D'Lo. He's a free agent. So I don't know if I would go two first on that. Although I do really like those guys and I'm not saying they're not worth it, but yeah. Um, if not, who would I rather have with Austin Reeves at point guard? Um, uh, I would, if I could get Buddy Heald, I would go get him. I like Miles Turner a lot. I like his potential fit next to Anthony Davis. I, we talked about it a ton last season. I don't know if he's going to be available or not. If he is, and that's there. And you, if, if the price was the same, if you were going to tell me you can get Miles Turner or you can get Buddy Heald for the same price, give me Miles Turner. That said, I don't think it's going to be. I think a more realistic target would be Buddy Heald in this in this situation. Nor should. But if the Pacers have Miles Turner and Buddy Heald as the same value, they've done something terribly wrong. Uh, Quinton said, hopefully AD touches a ball this summer. Like last year when Anthony Davis said he hadn't touched a basketball since April. Yeah, a lot of people were not happy about that. A lot of people were not happy about that. I remember that. Uh, Ken J, Austin Reeves can be our point guard and Max can play the two. See, I'm... I'm very high on Max Christie. If you, if you saw my Instagram post um, at Trevor Lane NBA over on Instagram, I said, I'm buying all the Max Christie stock that I can. I'm very high on him for next year. I think it's too it's going too far, though, to just throw him into the starting lineup right now or just list him as a starter at this point. It's a little bit too much. I think he needs another season coming off the bench. The next step from where he was at was, can I become a rotation? Can I go from being an, a non-rotation guy, a kind of garbage time minutes guy, 
can I go to being a consistent rotation player? That's the next step. And then it's from rotation player, potentially into the starting lineup. But I don't think Max is a guy where you're going to skip a step. Let's see him get into the rotation first and then go from there. But again, I'm very high on him. Derek Jones. AD is a superstar on defense, but he got embarrassed by the Joker and the Nuggets. Well, Jokic may be the best player in the NBA. Right? I mean, that's that that's just the fact. Um, I don't know if I want to say he got embarrassed. I would like to have seen Anthony Davis more um, active on the offensive end, but man, Denver was hitting everything. I mean, Jokic hit a, hit a shot where he just he basically threw up a shot put off of his shoulder, off the wrong foot from behind the three point line. It goes in. Denver's shot making in that series was ridiculous, and sometimes you just throw your hands up and, and say, "Man, they're just they're hitting everything." And that's the the way it goes. They've been a really good shooting team, but I wouldn't say AD got embarrassed. That's for sure. Maddie James, would the Lakers have a shot at getting Xavier Tillman? And do you think he would be a good fit? Yeah, I believe he's... Um, I'll have to double check. I think he's a full free agent. Let me take a look here. If he's unrestricted or not. That's the key always. It's it, it, Are guys restricted or are they unrestricted in free agency? So Xavier Tillman... Oh, he's a team option. He's a team option. Assuming they pick up his option, and what is it at? Oh, it's a team option at one point nine million. Yeah, they're going to pick that up. They're going to pick the Grizzlies will pick that up. So you'd have to trade for him to get him. Double check and make sure that's accurate. Xavier Tillman, yeah, team option one point nine million for next year. Yeah, I, I don't. You could trade for him if you wanted to. But I don't think he's a guy that you go after on the trade front. And just $1.9 million matching salaries is actually tricky because the salary is so low. I'd be surprised if he wasn't in Memphis next year. Uh, what about DeMar DeRozan and Fred VanVleet? So you can, I think one or the other would be more likely that you can get one of the two. Uh, is DeRozan the guy that you want at his age? Is he the, the perfect fit for you? And then what does that mean for the rest of your roster build? Let's say you do a trade. And by the way, I do like, Fred Van Vliet is under contract. DeRozan's under contract. So these are guys, or Van Vliet can be under contract if he picks up his option for this coming year. That makes it much, much easier for the Lakers to trade for these guys because then you don't trigger a hard cap if you trade for a player that's already under contract. So there's some real benefit to going after somebody like that. But what are you going to give up? Is it the package of Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba? And then you have to deal with the salary cap ramifications as you're getting closer to that super tax, which is going to be at about $179 million. But... If you could work something, if if Toronto said Mo Bamba and Malik Beasley and a first for Fred Van Vliet, done. If that deal is there for DeMar DeRozan, yeah, done. I'm probably doing that. Let me double check how much longer DeRozan's salary goes. I think it's only one more year. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, yep, I was right. Next season, he's expiring, $28.6 million. If you could get that done for a first, yeah. I don't know if the Bulls would do that, but... Those are the opportunities the Lakers can pursue on the trade front this year using Mo Bamba's non-guaranteed deal. Malik Beasley could be a $16.5 million expiring contract. The problem is neither one of those guys provides much value as a player, right? In terms of, is a team saying, I really want to pay Malik Beasley $16.5 million? No, no. Do I really want to pay Mo Bamba $10.3 million? No. So they really only have value as expiring contracts for next year. And that's it. So it's what kind of draft capital you're going to have to give up to get these guys. And that's where the question comes in, whether or not it's worth it um, for the Lakers to do it. But first targets, sure, if you can get them with those players. If it's a D-Lo double sign and trade, sure. You know, but, or or just sign and trade, I mean, for D-Lo, sure. But are the Bulls going to be super interested in D-Lo? Are the Raptors? That's certainly questionable. Uh, Mark said, Trevor, who are your top three possible number 17 picks? You know, again, I am not super far into my analysis. So if Jordan Hawkins, I think is really, really interesting, but I'm not super far into my analysis. So it, that's the problem is I haven't evaluated everybody at this point to be able to say, oh, these are the guys I think are realistic. The guy who jumps out right now is Jordan Hawkins. That's the guy I think that is is very, very interesting for the Lakers to go after. I think he'd be a nice fit, but Again, I'm not far enough into it to say this is the guy that I really hope falls 
to the Lakers. I got to get further in depth into my draft analysis stuff. Uh, Andrew said, great job for the season, Latrav. Well, thank you, Andrew. Appreciate that. And the Lakers Nation team, thank you for the amazing content. Looking forward to all the news coming this summer. You really helped me out as I'm a Laker fan in England, so it's cool to be involved. Well, welcome in from, from England, Andrew. That's awesome. In fact, I was just talking to a buddy of mine from uh, from England right before we started on this show, and he was telling me all about how how difficult it is keeping up when the games are on in the middle of the night and and all that kind of stuff. So, look, international fans love all you guys coming in. It's part of the reason why we do these shows early on Fridays. It's not even just to help kick off the weekend for those of us here in the U.S., but it's also so we have some type of offering that's not um, later in the evening Pacific time for our East Coast fans as well as our international viewers to be able to come in at a more normal time. So thank you very much, a Andrew. Do appreciate that. And, man, I got to tell you, from I've been doing this for a long time now. Um, the Lakers Nation podcast, this iteration of it, uh, with me running it, I believe has been, I think we're heading towards eight years. I need to go back and look, but it's it's something like that. Um, the thing that I was not anticipating when I got into this, I guess there were a lot of things that I wasn't anticipating when I got in, into doing this, when I started this whole thing. But what surprised me the most is how much basketball has grown globally just from within my lens that I look through, right? I, I always say it all the time. I look through purple and gold lenses, but just through my, just through the Lakers lens, right? Not even talking the NBA as a whole, how many international Lakers fans we've had coming into our shows, how many I've met in person. It, it is absolutely incredible. And I didn't anticipate how global this game is really becoming and how amazing the international fan base really is. Um, it's so, so incredible. It's always cool to hear from international fans coming in. And, um, and it's been such a, an amazing thing to see, to see how many people from around the world are connecting with, with the Lakers. Very, very cool. Uh, Deuce, do I think Cole Swider develops into a sniper? Develops. He already is one. He, I mean, shooting numbers tells you th this guy is a sniper. He is phenomenal. The question is, can he stay on the floor? Can he do enough defensively, right? Can he become a good enough defender to where you're not giving up as many points as you're getting, right? He can definitely space the floor. He can shoot the ball. Sure, there's things for him to learn on the offensive end, no question, everything, but he's got that skill set. He's got that skill. So he is a tremendous shooter. And I can't wait to see what he does at Summer League this year. The question with him is always going to be, where, what level can he compete at defensively? Can he be an average NBA defender? If he can, he's on an NBA roster. He's got a legitimate NBA skill already with a shooting ability, and it's a skill that a lot of teams want. The question becomes, can he do anything else well enough to stay on the floor? That's going to be the big key for him. And again, I can't wait to see him at Summer League. Uh, in fact, I'm probably going to have him on the show uh, during Summer League. So I can't wait to see what we get out of Cole Swider at Summer League. Definitely looking forward to seeing him and what he can become. Uh, Miguel said, hindsight being 2020, I consider the Pat Bev Mo Bamba trade a failure. Don't get me wrong. I love the trade initially. I hope we bring back Mo, play him next to AD next season. But what was the point of the trade? Well, the point of the trade was to get another big because Thomas Bryant was leaving was to have another big body to throw in there. Now, you couldn't predict that Mobamba was going to suffer an ankle injury and then miss the bulk of the season due to that, right? So in that sense, yeah, it was a failure because you didn't have the player for most of the time. But that was due to injury. That wasn't something that you would have predicted. It's not like his ankle was sprained when he became a Laker and you knew that he probably wasn't going to play. No, you were hoping that you were going to get at least rotation minutes, that he was going to be able to shoot the three, give you another uh, element to your offensive game by being a center who can shoot the three. That's what you thought you were getting out of Mo. But yeah, in terms of overall, what did you really get? You gave up a second round pick and you didn't get much of anything because Mo Bamba was injured for most of the season. And it, even when he wasn't, um, the Lakers didn't utilize him as much as like I would have liked to have seen. Now, can you bring him back next season? Sure. You could either... I, I think you either, either guarantee his contract for next season which is going to be $10.3 and then you have a $10.3 million expiring contract you can use in trade negotiations. Or you waive him, you don't pick that up, and you re-sign him on a veteran minimum. 
I can't imagine the market form is going to be that strong. I can't imagine teams are going to be tripping over themselves to give him a mid-level exception or even taxpayer mid-level. So if you can get him on a minimum deal, sure, bring him back. See if you can get some value out of that second round pick that you gave up um, and rather than just letting Mo walk away. But unfortunately, it just, it just hasn't been in the cards this season. And again, some of it's on the Lakers. I would have liked to have seen them play him more when he was healthy, but um, it, it just hasn't worked out for them and, and Mo Bamba this year. And so I, I think you're right, Miguel, when you say it's a failure, but it, it's a failure in result, but not in process. I think the process by which they got him was sound. Uh, I thought it made sense as a trade. It was, an, it was a gamble worth taking, but the gamble didn't pay off in this case. Maybe it still will. Maybe they keep him. Maybe he winds up being their center for the next 10 years. Then you can say it paid off. But right now, it's not looking like the initial move paid off here. Uh, Bruno, what can the Lakers get pack packaging Beasley, Bamba, 17? That's about $25 million. Yeah, maybe you can get somebody who... You'd have to find a team that isn't worried about winning right now and is getting into more of a rebuild that has a player that um, maybe is is getting up there in years, has a player that they just don't think is a fit for them. And this is going to give them two things. going to give them a draft pick, um, a fairly decent draft pick at 17, and then would also give them expiring money. So ideally, you're looking for a player who isn't expiring because that's how you can provide some value here. If you take a player that is three years left on this on his deal, the Lakers are accepting that player in a trade and you're giving up two contracts that expire at the end of next season that can clear the books for a team moving forward. So that's what you're looking for players off the top of my head. I don't know. I mean, there's a few guys that they could target for sure. I mean, Fred Van Vliet would be expiring if he picks up his, uh, uh, his option for next year. If he picks that up, if I'm his agent, I'm probably telling him to decline it though and just get what you can in free agency. But if he does pick it up in order to help facilitate a trade, say to the Lakers, great. That'd be fantastic. I think that would be the ideal fit, even though he, he would be an expiring deal. Um, that would be great. Other than that, I don't know who you target. Like Buddy Heald makes some sense, but again, he's expiring. Terry Rozier? What about Terry Rozier, who has three more years in a contract, 75 million. If D'Angelo Russell's walking away, would you be willing to take on Terry Rozier? Now, that's a lot. That's a lot. Would you be better off paying D'Lo, say, $20 million a year than giving up something, some type of asset, and paying Terry Rozier $25 million? I think it probably just keep D'Lo, but maybe that's a, you know, a guy who could be out there. So that's, that's the other thing, is as we start getting into the summer and we start looking at what they can do potentially in free agency and in trades and all that. Keep in mind what they were rumored to be looking at at the trade deadline. Because sometimes what happens is those rumors, they it doesn't work out at the time, but it comes back and next thing you know, in the summertime, you've got a deal. So, for example, Terry, Terry Rozier being a good example of that. Boyan Bogdanovich would be another good example of that. Is that somebody that you could target these guys that the Lakers were interested in, in the trade deadline. I do wonder how many of them are going to pop back up as targets again um, this summer. Some of them will. And that package is, is probably what you're looking at here from the Lakers, seeing if they can trade that package to get them. Uh, Linal said, other than Brooke Lopez, who are other gettable centers out there? Christian Wood. Yep. Christian Wood will be on the market. Dwight Powell. Yep. Andre Drummond. Yep. AD at the four might be the solution to inconsistency. Uh, I've been a fan of Christian Wood for a long time, and I've been intrigued by his fit next to Anthony Davis. I was not as impressed with him uh, with the Mavs this year. Uh, I thought he started off the season very well, and some of that could just be on the Mavs for not playing him enough or whatever it is. But nonetheless, he's a big who can shoot the three and do some things offensively. He's at least interesting in that sense. Dwight Powell is a pretty springy big that you could turn to. Be interested in, in him as well. But you know, looking at the center market this year, just don't see a lot that jumps out at me as guys who are probably going to be available for um for a minimum or even a see taxpayer mid-level that would make a lot of sense like looking at this list i mean nas reed could be gettable but again are you willing to give up your mid-level exception to get him if you even have a mid-level bismack biombo is a guy who's a little bit interesting if you could probably get him on a minimum that might not be the worst idea. Chimizi Metu, 
I kind of liked him with Sacramento. Maybe he's somebody you can target. But it gets thin real quick at the center market. Normally, the center market, it's like, I'm not worried about it at all because there's a bunch of guys where you're just like, yep, I could get any of these 10 guys for the veteran minimum and they'll all do just about the same. But I don't know this year. I'm looking at the list in terms of unrestricted free agents. Brooke Lopez, probably not going to have enough money for him. Nikola Busevic, not enough money. Pirtle, not enough money. Christian Wood, can you get him with a full mid-level? Maybe. Then you get Mason Plumley. How interested in Plumley are you? Do you want to give him like your taxpayer mid-level? I don't know. Nas Reed, sure. He's, again, probably your full mid-level. Dwight Powell, then suddenly it drops off. Thomas Bryant, well, we did that already. Drew Eubanks, okay, I wouldn't hate that for veteran minimum. He's fine. Bismack Biombo, Chimizi Metu, Kevin Love. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, that's not really what the Lakers need. Blake Griffin, no thanks. Mo, Wag Mo Wagner, eh, no thanks. Cody Zeller, no. Willie Cauley-Stein, like, it thins out really fast. It thins out really, really fast. And so that's where I do wonder if, is it worth it for the Lakers just to say, you know what? Rather than go get Cody Zeller, why not just give Mobamba another look? Why not just give him another look? That's what I'm looking at if I'm the Lakers. Now, unless you decide, hey, we're going to be willing to spend a little bit more and we're going to try to get Christian Wood with our tax or with our full mid level, or we're going to try to go get uh, like Nas Reed or somebody, somebody like that, if they decide we really want to allocate resources towards that center position. Otherwise, otherwise, I think it makes the most sense to maybe just run it back with Mo Bamba. If you can get him to take a minimum deal, maybe even a biannual exception deal, pay him about $4 million. We'll see. Rez, is there a way to backload a Kyrie contract? Braun would be gone by then. Uh, yeah, you could. I don't know if Kyrie would want that, but but you could. You could. But keep in mind that the Lakers, even if they clear a bunch of cap space, um, I don't know that that's... Like, in terms of backload it, you're not going to make it like he makes $35 million the first two years and plays with LeBron, and then the final two years in the deal, he only makes $10 million, or flip it the other way, where he makes like $10 million the first couple of years and then $35 million. The raises can't be that drastic. So not in that sense, you can't. But can you make the salary? Could you start him at 34, and then by the end, he's making like close to 40? Sure. But... um I'll just say this. Getting Kyrie is extremely difficult for the Lakers. Getting to Kyrie is so, so difficult for them to get there. Um, whether it's via trade or free agency, there's going to be some painful choices that have to be made elsewhere. And I don't even think the Mavs want to move. In fact, the Mavs already put out there today that they won't do a sign-and-trade with him. Which, look, even if they will do a sign-and-trade, this that's what they should be saying because they want to drive a hard bargain with any team that would want to sign-and-trade for him. But they put it out there that they're not willing to do a sign-and-trade with Kyrie. So that cuts off potentially that avenue of, of landing him. Again, maybe when push comes to shove, they actually will. That's 100% the stance they should have, just like the Lakers' stance should be we are matching any offer on Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura, even if that's not true. You want everybody else to believe that that's what you're willing to do. The Mavs want every other team to believe that there will be no sign-and-trade for Kyrie. Meaning you'd have to have cap space to sign him because we're not going to help you get him. That might scare some teams away that would think, hey, maybe we can negotiate a sign and trade with Kyrie. That could scare teams away and then put the Mavs in a better bargaining position with Kyrie themselves. Again, same thing with the Lakers and Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura, but that's still what we're hearing right now, that the Mavs won't even participate in a sign and trade. So getting Kyrie is extremely difficult. I'm not expecting it to happen. It's not impossible, but for the amount that his name is thrown around, it, it's as though it's seen as like this foregone conclusion or something. It's not. The logistics of getting there are very, very difficult. Again, I don't want to say impossible, but very tough. Theo, bring back this 50-win regular season roster. Only problem is the postseason rotation. Wait for next year's trade deadline for the perfect trade targets or tanking teams. You know, that's the other thing, is even if the Lakers, let's say you're not a huge fan of D'Angelo Russell, and the Lakers give D'Lo, I don't know, let's say it's two years, 45 million. I don't know, just picking a number. Let's throw that out there. 
Let's say that's the deal that you get D'Angelo Russell on. And some of you might say, oh my gosh, that's too much. I, I don't like D'Lo. I don't like his fit. He was terrible in the postseason, all this kind of stuff, right? Well, that's fine. Even if that's you, there's no guarantee that they wouldn't just turn around and trade him on that new deal before the trade deadline. December 15th, he'll be trade eligible. So it's possible that the Lakers, for the time being, and maybe even prudent for the Lakers to look at this roster and say, you know what? This roster, as it is, did really well. How much do we believe that they are one of the top teams in the West? How much was it other teams took their foot off the gas? How much was it desperation? We don't know. But we're willing to find out. We're willing to find out. So let's start the season with this group. We'll get more information on them. If they hit the ground running and their chemistry and everything just continues into the start of next season, great. If not, if not, okay. December 15th rolls around. We can start exploring trades with some of these deals that we've got on the books now. That might be the way to go for the Lakers because then you get to find out what you've got before you go making make big changes and tinker with things mid-season. Again, I expect them to make some moves along the margin, but rather than doing something dramatic during the summer, that may be the, the more prudent route. Now, this Lakers team, this Lakers front office, let's face it, they are prone to dramatics. So it also wouldn't shock me if we see some type of big move out of the Lakers, um, home run swing, that type of thing. But I do wonder if just bringing this group back is actually the best path, even if it is the most, isn't the most the most exciting path. And then you can tweak things at next year's trade deadline. Vector Nova. People need to consider that the Pacers haven't acted in good faith with us, and they don't have any reason to trade Turner, especially with no Wemby. I mean, look, the, the Pacers, there's no love lost there for the Lakers after everything that happened with Paul George. Um, yeah, all of that. And yeah, there were some negotiation issues that happened last year. Uh, if we recall, the, the Pacers kept upping the price for, for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, and um, it, it, got, it got messy. It got messy. But ultimately, ultimately, and again, we initially I think the Lakers were offering like one first round pick and Russell Westbrook. And uh, anyway, the Pacers kept upping the offer or kept asking for more. And then, you know, it, it, it just didn't come together the way you'd want it to. The Pacers and the Lakers, like the Lakers and the Magic, have done a bunch of trades together. They just seem to get along well. The Pacers and the Lakers just, it just doesn't seem like they have really gotten along with their negotiations. And I don't know if it's just the Paul George thing, but it takes one deal for that to change. But it's a good point by Vector Nova that the Lakers and Pacers haven't necessarily combined well with their trade discussions in the past. All right, guys, we're going to do a couple more. We typically go for about an hour on, uh, on these fun Friday shows. So we're going to do a couple more and, uh, and then we'll head off to a weekend. Aaron said, Gary Trent Jr. move Reeves to point guard. Sure, I would not be opposed to that if you can get him. Um, for example, does the 17th pick and Malik Beasley get you Gary Trent Jr.? If it doesn't get you Fred Van Vliet, does it get you Gary Trent Jr.? Maybe that's something for the Lakers to consider. It's, it's tough, too, though, with picks where we just assume the Lakers are going to move it and it's hard to assign too much value to it without really thinking of what player that like, what if it's Jordan Hawkins and Malik Beasley for Gary Trent Jr. Is that the move you want to make? I'm not saying it's not. I mean, look, Gary Trent is still very young. He's 24. Uh, he still has upside. He's a good shooter. But is that the move you definitely want to make? It's It becomes more of a real question when you start attaching actual names to it. Uh, Ed, do you like Kyle Anderson? Yes, very much so. Uh, if he's available for trade, I don't think he will be available, but I do like Kyle Anderson. I just like that. He's so versatile, can do so many things. Um, the whole slow-mo thing works really well for him, but yeah, I think he'd be a great, um, uh, a great fit really anywhere. Okay. Always winning said Delo for Caruso. I just want Caruso and Reeves. See, that's my question. That's my real question here. If I'm the Lakers and I'm looking at a trade, can I take the 17th pick and turn it into Alex Caruso? Would the Bulls do that? I don't know. 
And so you could do Mo Bamba for Caruso. Mo Bamba and 17 for Caruso. Would the Bulls do that? Keith said no today. I, I talked to him about that on the front office show. And Keith said no, he would not do. Mo, uh, he would not do Caruso for the 17th pick. And look, I understand. I think Caruso is, and he's made all defense this year. He's one of the best defensive guards in the league, period. But if the Bulls would listen, I think I'd do that. I think I'd do that if I'm the Lakers and get a, a defensive player of his caliber, right that wrong, bring him back. Could be phenomenal. Could be phenomenal. All right. Um, Last one I'm going to do here. I will get to the other super chats that, that have come in um, on uh, an upcoming show here. Wicked Bronco. Trevor, do you put any thought into the rumors recently surrounding LeBron finishing his career with Golden State and that stuff and Draymond have already be begun recruiting LeBron? Are we talking about like the Cal Colin Cowherd stuff where he was trying to come up with trades and it was like Jonathan Kaminga and, and like Andrew Wiggins or something for LeBron? Wasn't it something like that? Um I don't know. We were making fun of it, in our, in our, honestly, in our Lakers Nation uh, group chat. But yeah, I, I don't see a trade that makes sense. Now, if LeBron decided he wanted to leave in free agent, he's got a player option next summer. And the, um, yeah, here it is. Oh, it's Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga for LeBron. Yeah, I... I wouldn't have interest in that if I'm the Lakers, but but if LeBron in 2024 decided he wanted to be a free agent and the Warriors somehow drafted Bronny, I guess I could see it happening that way. But I don't see LeBron like going to the Lakers this summer and saying, trade me to the Warriors. I, I don't see that happening. Could he finish his career in Golden State? Maybe, maybe, but I would be so I, I would say it's more likely he finishes his career with the Lakers. And the only way I think I could see him going to Golden State is if Bronny went there too. That'd be it. All right. Let's call it a day there. Let's get ready for the weekend. It's Friday. We're going to head off to a weekend here, but appreciate all of you for joining me here on Fun Friday. Remember our schedule. I put it out there on social media. Mondays, 8 o'clock Pacific time. Wednesdays, 8 o'clock Pacific time. And Fridays. 2 o'clock Pacific time, we go live. We'll talk Lakers basketball. That's going to be our schedule through the offseason. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll be live on AMP at, what time am I doing that at? Uh, noon Pacific time on AMP, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So if you want to come in, actually talk directly to me, uh, call in via the call-in line, you can do that over on AMP. Uh, again, you can find me on there. Just download the AMP app and then can search Trevor Lane. You can find the show right there as well. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining me. It's going to be a busy, busy summer for the Lakers. We have a lot to talk about. So stay tuned. Stay subscribed to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.